Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 8. This is the final Sunday of our series, uh, Simple Church. I know it looks a little weird behind me. It's weird for us to not have the thing there, but it got misplaced. Dave, it was found, by the way. They found it up in Children's. So now you understand how important art is, right? Because someone said, it looks very sterile. So don't take any Instagram pictures because it'll really wash me out. So please don't do that. Um, The best way for me to kind of show you where we're headed this morning is to share with you something that I heard recently from someone. They were, um, they were with this lady. This lady was uber wealthy. You know how there's people like, oh, you do pretty well. And then there's the, oh my gosh, how do you spend all that? That was her situation. Like so much, I mean, just an enormous, like the letter B is there, like billions. And so for some reason they were together. There was a, a small group and they were walking together and uh, they were doing a, a tour, and then they were going to come back and share some notes. And as they were walking, uh, Mrs. Billions saw a penny. And so this guy's walking with her, and he's looking at her, and she sees the penny, and she reaches down and picks up the penny and puts it in her pocket. And the guy that was sharing the story is like, what in the world is that about? And so, you know, they're going through the tour, looking at different things, evaluating the situation. And all he could think about was Mrs. Billions took time to grab this penny. Like, you don't need the penny. Why are you stopping to get the penny? And she didn't make a big show of it. Like, nobody else saw. She was kind of in the back, and he was the only one behind her, but kind of to the side. So she didn't, she wasn't doing it for show. And so they come, they did all their meetings, and they're sitting around having coffee and food, you know, which is what you do afterwards. And he said, okay, I got to ask you, Mrs. Billions, like, what's, what's the story with a penny? Like, why did you stop and grab the penny? And she said, what is written on every penny? And he's thinking about all the things, you know. He's thinking about the little triangle with the eyes. Is that on the dollar? Is that on the penny? Is it the state? And she says, every single penny says, in God we trust. And every time I see a penny, anywhere, anytime, I grab it because I need to be reminded that that's where my trust is. It can't be in anything else. And that reminds me to go back to who I am, what I'm about, and most importantly, where I'm going to put the weight of my life, where my trust truly is. I heard that, and it just kept ringing in my head. And what we're going to talk about this morning is trust. I mean, it's, it's written on the dollar. It's written on the penny. It's written in a lot of different places. But it's easy to say, in God we trust. It's easy to sing about, in God we trust. But do we actually trust? During this past election time, we as a country 
we as a church, we as individuals, lost our freaking mind. I mean, it was, I, I was amazed. And I, I didn't see it coming. Um, and I saw it in myself as well. Um, most of us had to take a break from Facebook because we're like, what, what the heck is going on with this? And then we're like, oh, look at this. No, I can't do that. And then the radio, oh, I can't do that. It's like, where do you look? And, and everyone just freaking out. Fear. Fear everywhere. Because this candidate got her, this one didn't, or whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't even, this is not a political talk, by the way. This is about trust. And think about yourself. Did you lose your mind? I heard one pastor say it this way. It was, it was amazing the way he said it. He said, he was talking to his church, and he said, guys, stop it. You're scaring the children. And it made so much sense because the kids are looking to us and we're thinking, well, if this person gets elected, the world's gonna fall apart. And if this person gets elected, then the world's gonna fall apart. No, it's not. We don't trust in kings and queens. That's not where our trust should lie. And with, like I said, this isn't just about politics. It's not just about governments. It's not just about democracy. Because the reality is you shouldn't trust in democracy either. That's not where our trust will lie. It will let you down. I don't know if you guys know this, but the United States is not going to be here for the end of time. There hasn't been one government that's made it all the way through. It's just what we do. We mess things up. Something as solid as the United States. I have no plans of, of I, I plan on dying there still being the United States. But you know what? There's going to be a time when Germany is no longer Germany. There's going to be a time when Iceland is no longer Iceland. Actually, Iceland might make it. And I think, I don't know if anyone's like, let's get to Iceland, take it over. It could happen. It might happen. But the point is, is for this morning, I want us to talk about where our trust truly is. And when we talk about trust, we're taking it to a whole nother level of what that word really means. Um, I want us to look at uh, this verse right here. Um, let's go to, uh, if we could, let's go to Hebrews 11.1. 1. Um, I really wrestled with teaching on Hebrews 11 or on 1 Samuel. We're going to spend pretty much all of our time in, in 1 Samuel. But I wanted us to look at this too. Because as a simple church, the thing that holds it all together is our trust in God, our faith. The word trust, the word faith, belief are all the same word in Greek. They're all, they, they all mean the same thing. There's little nuances here and there. But trust or faith is confidence in what we hope for, an assurance or conviction about what we do not see. Did you catch that? Of what we do not see. So it's trusting, but it's trusting even when you can't see it. And almost all the time, it's because you can't see it. We, we deal with this all the time. Think about your job or your first job. For me, it was crustaceans. I know you've never heard of it. It's because it was in Florida. I lived in Florida for five years in Jacksonville, and, the, and my first job, I'm pretty sure it was the age of 15 because I couldn't drive at that time, so I'm, I probably wasn't supposed to be working, but I, I got all official, filled out the application. I don't think they even looked at it. They just need someone to wash dishes. They didn't care what I wrote. And so I was the dish guy and at Crustaceans, which was a uh, seafood restaurant, and it was a two-story one, so I was on the bottom and they would drop it down, they'd drop all the dishes down in this box on this little elevator, 
and it would go poof, and there'd be a bunch of dirty dishes. I'd wash them, I'd put them in, and I'd send them back up. Not the coolest job in the world. But when I signed up, they said this. They said, we're going to pay you every two weeks, and this is how much we're paying you per hour. And at the end of those two weeks, this is what you're going to get paid. I trusted. I had confidence and assurance in what I couldn't see, that if I did this, then that would arrive. That was trust. In fact, if you, if you look in um, some of the French Bibles, you know, they have to trans- we, we have a bunch of different languages in this world. I'm sure you know that. But you don't think about that often when you think about the Bible. You just think it's in English everywhere. It's not. And so in France, a lot of the Bibles, when they translate this, that word um, uh, assurance, the way that's translated, it's the same word they use for a deed on a house. So like if you bought a house or you bought a piece of property or you bought something and they gave you proof that you had it, like a pink slip to the car, that's the assurance. Like, do I really own this? Yes, it's written right there. Yeah, but do I really own it? Could somebody come take it? That paper, it's official. It says it belongs to you. And so when we talk about our trust, what we're wrestling with here is where does our trust truly lie? What does it look like to trust? I didn't plan on sharing this, um, but when Jaron Hoku chose that song about the oceans crashing over me and, and the idea of, of that, I, I just kept thinking about trust. And I share this sometimes at weddings because um, for me, you know, I'm telling this married couple, don't trust in each other. You're going to let each other down. You need to put your trust in the right place. You need to put it your trust in the Lord. So what does trust look like? We could talk about trust, but what does it actually look like? I trust in God. In God we trust. What, okay, what does it really look like to trust? And what I'll share with him is a story when my son, who's now 14, was uh, just starting to walk. He was just over the age of one. And we were down at Riviera, which uh, was the beach that we'd always go to and surf. Not him. But we were walking the beach, because once you have a little kid, then you stop surfing. And so we're walking up and down the beach, and um, we'd always hold hands, because that's what dads do. Like, we're just like, oh, what's up? I don't want to hold his hand. I don't want to let go. So I'm always holding his hand. We're cruising. We're walking. And um, every once in a while, we'd let go. And then, you know, as soon as you let go, especially because he was the first child, they just, poof, they just take off. They just go. And I was told and learned, you got to let them go, because if you keep running after them, they just go, oh, cool, I'm going to keep running. So you just got to teach them, hey you got to learn that when you take off, this is the kind of stuff that can happen, so you better stay close for the rest of your life. You're not allowed to move away from the city or the state. Like, stay close or bad things are going to happen. So he, uh, at one time at Riviera, he, he um, was out of my hands. He let go, wanted to do his own thing, and he's running down the beach, and then he sees the ocean, and it's a smaller day, and so he turns and just starts running to the ocean. And as he's running, and it's still small to us, but remember, he's like tiny, so this little, little wave that's like not even up to my knee is like, dun, 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 it's like a tsunami. And he sees it, and he stops, and he, he doesn't really know what it is. He can't recognize what this is. And as it's approaching him, he, he realizes, okay, I can't go forward, like in his little one-year-old brain, okay, I can't go that way, but I don't think I can go this way, and I can't, and I don't know what to so he does what he's developed a habit of doing. He does the only thing that he knows because he's developed a habit of trust. He just threw his hand up. And of course, 
with my fatherly super speed. I was there in time, thinking ahead, preparing. He put his trust in the right place. I could come up, grab his hand, because he put it up, so it was easy, like a little handle, and I could grab it and lift him above the wave. That's what trust looks like. But the reality is, is that we as a people do not always trust. And sometimes we don't even think about this issue. We don't think about all the other things we trust in. We don't think about where we put our weight. We don't think about the fact that we may put it in the economy or in our spouse or in a therapist or in something else. Or maybe we just divide our trust around. But ultimately, when everything hits the fan, where is your real trust? Trust is not an event. Like, okay, I'm gonna trust God now. No, it's, it's a lifestyle. Trust is a lifestyle, and you need to make sure that it's in the right place. I'm not gonna try to talk you into trusting God. What we wanna do this morning is for you to step back and go, do I really trust God? Is that where all my weight is? Or have I divided my trust up so I could hedge my bets? The Bible overall has one message the whole way through. God's, God's word is spread out, but it all points in one direction. And as a simple church, as a people of God, this is what it means for us. This message is turn to God and be saved. Think about Keaton running into the ocean. Turn to God and be saved. Think about our country. Think about your marriage. Think about all that that when the fear rises up, turn to God and be saved. And there's example after example in the word of God. But for this morning, I chose from 1 Samuel 8 for us to look at. So if you could turn there. And I know most of us are like, wait, what, Old Testament? What? In fact, many of you are like, what, New Testament? What's an Old Testament? What's a, what's a Bible? Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 8. And what we're going to look at is um, a man named Samuel, the people of Israel, and their desire for a king. And so here we are in 1 Samuel and um, at this point, um, they're saying, you are old, and they're talking to Samuel. Samuel is the prophet. He has been leading them. He's, um, he's, he's kind of like a pastor. So they, they didn't have a, a government like you would expect at this point. They were looking to Samuel to lead them. And um, he had two sons, and so he was preparing them to take over. But these guys were not prepared. Uh, Samuel knew that. They were corrupt, and the people knew that. So the people are saying to Samuel, you're old, which I'm sure pumped up Samuel. You're old, and your sons do not follow your ways. So what do they say? Now appoint a king to lead us. Okay, I'm colorblind, which doesn't mean I can't see colors, but sometimes colors do freaky things. Is this freaking you guys out like it's freaking me out with the background? Yeah, okay. Can we ditch the background and just go black? Um, mainly for me, because no one else is colorblind but me. Ah, oh, there we go. Woo. See that bright green when it goes up against red or something else, and my, I get all freaked out. Um, so you are old, and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. So these people are looking around at all the other countries. They say, you know what? We don't want your sons. We need a king. Give us a king. We want that person to lead us. 
And then Samuel, in the next verse, um, but when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. It ticked him off. So he prayed to God, and the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. But it's not you they have rejected. They have rejected me as their king. What upset Samuel, he could look at his sons, because we know that. He looked at his sons and went, oh, man, guys, you're killing me. What's, I mean, probably more as a father than about the country. But he looked at his sons and he went, yeah, they're not ready. So it's not like, oh, you turned down my sons? It's like, you guys really want a king? You want the Lord. You want to trust in God. But they wanted to find someone, someone to lead them. Look what everybody else is doing. And the person they were actually ended up being drawn to was Saul. Saul was tall. He was good looking. He said the right things. He was bigger. He had broader shoulders. His hair parted just perfect. That's who we want. That's who it looks like. That's who they wanted to put their trust in. And they did. The whole country rallied around him. And yet we look back here and Samuel's like, guys, don't do this. Yet God says, look, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. They're not saying in God we trust. And then God said this in verse 8. He said, as they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt. I mean, talk about trust. Talk about throwing your arm up and someone coming and grabbing you. Like, he's proven himself. He's taken the entire people. He's freed them from Egypt. He split the Red Sea. He fed them when there was no food in the middle of the desert. They had every reason to trust in God. They had every reason to look back and to see what God has done. That's where trust comes from, right? Like I said, I can't persuade you to trust. Trust is earned. Trust is developed over time. And the people of Israel have seen God show up time and time again. And yet it comes to this point, they're like, we want a king. You know what? You've done well for us, but God, we're really looking for a king. We kind of prefer that. Everybody else has got one. Why can't we get one? As they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. So they're doing to you. That's what we do. That's why we're always described as sheep. We need to be aware of this. This is what we do. And let's not beat ourselves up about it, but let's be aware. Like Mrs. Billions. I mean, she knows. I mean, she knows that her trust can shift. She knows that her heart is restless. She knows that she can shift to the left or the right. And so she grabs those pennies to remind herself, no, 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 this is where I want my trust to be. I don't want to be restless. I don't want to put my trust, in, I want my trust to reside here. 1 Samuel 8, 18, this is, this is a verse I, I debated whether to share or not because I didn't know if we had enough time, and we don't have enough time to go through this, but we need to hear the, the immensity of what God is saying to the people of Israel here. He says, when that day comes, because he's telling, he's telling Samuel right before this, he says, you need to tell all the people what's gonna happen if they get a king. I want you to list it for them. And so Samuel goes and tells him. He says, look, here's what's gonna happen. The king is gonna take advantage of you. The king is gonna do this. The king's gonna do this. You are going to be slaves you're going to go right back into the Egypt situation because you've put your trust into a person. And when you have a king instead of me over you, they will not 
look out for you. They will take what you have and they'll use it for themselves. He says, put your trust in me. And then at the end of all that, then God says, when that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. Meaning you've chosen this. This is the way it's going to go. You are submitting to this. You have to deal with the consequences of that. And I won't come in and just fix it all. And I debated sharing that because I'm like, well, we got to break that down and, and make it cleaner and nicer. But you know what? That's kind of how it is. They've made, their, they've made their bed and they have to lie in it. Again, I know where your brain's going. We're not talking about politics. I hope you understand that. This is way more important. This is way more pervasive. This is, this is deeper than that. It changes every four years. We're talking about how we're going to live. Verses 19 and 20. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. So Samuel lays all this out for him, and they said, no, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations with a king to lead us and go out before us and fight our battles. Fight our battles. When you think of a king... There's a throne. Who is on the throne in your life? And at times, there's a rotating group of people that may be on that throne, or a rotating list of ideas, or thoughts, or even beliefs. Um, if we could put the next slide up that has the blank spot in blank, we trust. And I want you to think what fills that space in? We talked already about the possibility, you know, you, you, you're emotionally wrecked, and so I've got to get to my therapist, I've got to get to my coach, I've got to get to my psychologist. Are they the ones? Are they the ones in whom you're putting your trust? Is it your spouse? I have never, I mean, my whole life has been turned upside down this past year. And there is no one on this earth that I can trust more than my wife. But even her, I can't put all of my trust. She cannot put all of her trust in me. We are human. We are fallible. We have to place trust in each other, but we're talking about the big daddy trust. Where, when all the chips are falling, where is your trust going to fall? Where are you going to fall back into Some of us, it's, it's doctors. Well, if I could get to the doctor, then he'll fix it. I've seen a lot of doctors. I've been around the most brilliant doctors in the world. That's not where I'm putting my trust. I will seek them for counsel. I will listen to them, but that's not where my trust lies. For some of us, it's trainers. For some of us, it's our bosses. For some of us, it's uh, um, our parents. The economy. For some of you, it's me. No, it should not say in Boogie We Trust. <laughs> it should never, because that's not where your trust should be. It should be in the God and the creator of the universe. 
can't be in the schools, can't be even in the sun rising and falling because there will be a day where that sun doesn't rise. Our trust has to be placed where it needs to go, where we can fully put all of our weight into it. And here's the crazy thing. It doesn't mean that we put our trust in God to give us what we want because that's what these people did. That's what the people of Israel did. That's what we do. I'm gonna trust that God's gonna give me what I want. That's not how this works. That's not how this works. In fact, and I'll close with this verse, Hebrews eleven thirteen, 13, as, as this entire passage that started with defining what trust is. Trust is the confidence, the insurance in, what we ha- in that we're gonna receive what we have not yet seen. And yet, this is what the writer of Hebrews said about these people. He goes through this whole description of these amazing people that trusted God. He, he gave a picture for what it looks like to trust. He talked about Abraham. He talked about Moses. And then he says this about these people. All these people were still living by faith or trust when they died. They did not receive the things promised. Did you hear that? Let that sink in. They trusted God, and yet they died without receiving what they were waiting for. They did not receive the things they promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. They didn't get it here, but they got it. That's what trust looks like. We are so instant. We are so, someone was asking me last night, so when you give a sermon, like how long, how do you decide how long it's going to be? I'm going, we as a people have been trained. Like things go in 30-minute increments. 30 minutes, one hour, hour and a half. When they're making movies, got to be a certain distance. We've been trained. We've been trained to get things instantly right? Oh, that commercial's long. That went longer than 30 seconds. And we take that into our trust with God. Like, hey, I've been praying for this for like a day. And it, okay, look, God, you're a little busy. You got a lot of stuff going down. I'll give you another week. Trust is where you put it all in. All your eggs are there. And this is how the Bible defines what trust looks like. You may not even get it on this side of heaven. You'll get it but maybe not on your timeline because you're trusting God's timing, what he thinks is best. This is a verse that I really don't like, but it's the truth. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna close up and uh, you get to live like Mrs. Billions. Um, uh, If we could have the ushers they're gonna, they have baskets, and um, this is reverse offering. Do we even take the offering? Oh, we are? Can we, do it, can we do it the opposite way? Can we do the opposite offering? So this is reverse offering right now. Reverse offering means you don't put anything in the basket. You gotta take something out of the basket. So they're gonna come through with these baskets, and in these baskets um, are pennies. So take a penny. If you need more than one, it's been a rough week for you. Go ahead. Take more than one. Um, But these pennies are for you. And do with it what you want. Um, Maybe you give it to your child. Maybe you leave it in your pocket. Then you wash it, and it goes around in the dryer over and over again. Um, But the purpose of this is for you to have it with you. And when it's with you, you can 
hold it and remember what it says, in God we trust, because we wander. Our hearts are restless, and we place other people, other things on the throne. But as the people of God, this world needs us. We are the light of this world. Not we could be, we are. And what defines us is our trust, our faith in Christ, in that God is who he said he was, and he will do what he said he will do. And this world desperately needs to see a group of people that are putting their trust in God. They're begging for that. They may not even like us. No, let me rephrase that. There are plenty of people that do not like us. We were just talking to someone uh, this past week, someone in the church asked about parking in one of the areas. There's someone here in the harbor that has a certain area of parking, and we said, oh, is it possible when it gets crazy in the summer? Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, what do you need it for? Oh, for the church? No. And, and visibly like, we don't like you. And I'm thinking, well, I don't think we've ever met this person. But we want this world to look and say, okay, maybe we didn't believe what you believed, but we were really glad you were here because your trust and the way you live changed everything around us. This world desperately needs the people of God to be able to say with honesty, in God we trust. Let me pray for us. Father God, I want to invite you to lead us. Father, we want you to teach us what trust looks like. I think of your son who on the night that he was betrayed said, take this cup for me, but not my will, yours be done. Lord, we want that type of trust where even if we don't want it, we will take it because we trust you. Lord, we want to be willing to go wherever. We want to be able to pray with sincere honesty your kingdom come, your will be done, because we look to you as our king. Truly, Father, we want you to be our king. Show us what that looks like. Bind us together underneath that. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.